Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and you've reached the Book of Mormon Lecture Series. I've been teaching seminary and institute for the last 11 years, and uh, this is an attempt to do a deep dive into the Book of Mormon itself. I'm hoping that you'll find this uplifting and edifying. This is not an official recording of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but every attempt has been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. So if you're ready for a deep dive into the Book of Mormon, here we go. Hi, and welcome back to your favorite Book of Mormon podcast, isn't it? It should be. Okay, we're in Mosiah chapter 18, so we're going to go ahead and get into this. Uh, this is a continuation of uh, Alma. And now it came to pass that Alma, who had fled from the servants of King Noah, repented of his sins and iniquities, and went about pri privately among the people and began to teach the words of Abinadi, yea, concerning that which was to come, and also concerning the resurrection of the dead and the redemption of the people which was to be brought to pass through the power and sufferings and death of Christ and his resurrection and ascension into heaven. Remember, Abinadi's talk was a lot about the resurrection, so Alma's teaching that. One of the things I want you to be thinking about is how many people uh, is Alma taking with him into the wilderness? That's a question we can answer at the end of the chapter, maybe. Verse 3, And as many as, as, as would hear his word he did teach, and he taught them privately, that it might not come to the knowledge of the king, and many did believe his words. And it came to pass that as many as did believe him did go forth to a place which was called Mormon, having received its name from the king, being in the borders of the land, having been infested by times or at seasons by wild beasts. Now there was in Mormon a fountain of pure water, and Alma resorted thither, there being near the water a thicket of small trees where he did hide himself in the daytime from the searches of the king. And it came to pass that as many as believed of him, on him, or believed him, went thither to hear his words. And it came to pass after many days, so this was after a while, not suddenly, there were a, a goodly number gathered together at the place of Mormon to hear the words of Alma. Yea, all were gathered together that believed on his word to hear him. And he did teach them and did preach unto them repentance and redemption and faith on the Lord. Remember that when Alma, or when Abinadi is being put to death, that that's a public execution. And so as Abinadi was preaching, there was lots of people that were there. And so a lot of them may have been converted. And now they're looking for Alma to help them with the process here. Verse 8, And it came to pass that he said unto them, Behold, here are the waters of Mormon, for thus were they called. And now as ye are desirous to come into the fold of God, and to be called his people, and are willing to bear one another's burdens, that they may be light. And here we are talking about the baptismal covenant, aren't we? And yea, and are willing to mourn with those that mourn, yea, and comfort those that stand in need of comfort, and to stand as witnesses of God at all times, and in all things, and in all places, that ye may be in, even until death, that ye may be redeemed of God, and, and be numbered with those of the first resurrection, that ye may, be, that ye may have eternal life. So here we are talking about the, um, the covenant of baptism. Verse 10, Now I say unto you, if this be the desire of your hearts, what have you against being baptized by the, by the name of the Lord? In the name of the Lord. Baptism is the first fruits of repentance. It is an ordinance, a sign of a covenant, an outward expression of the acceptance of and participation in a two-way promise. The initiate promises God certain things. In return, God promises certain blessings. According to Alma, persons desiring to enter the kingdom of God promise, one, to bear one another's burdens, two, to mourn with those that mourn, Three, to comfort those that stand in need of comfort. And four, to stand as witnesses of God at all times. In return, God promises that obedient souls may be, one, redeemed from death, and two, numbered with those of the first resurrection, and three, inheritors of eternal life. It sounds like a pretty good bargain, doesn't it? That was from Millet McConkie. Not the last part, but the quote. 
uh, as a witness before him that ye have entered into a covenant with him. Joseph Smith said, God has set many signs on the, on the earth as well as in the heavens. For instance, the oak of the forest, the fruit of the tree, the herbs of the field all bear a sign that seed hath been planted there. Upon the same principle do I contend that baptism is a sign ordained of God for the believer in Christ to take upon himself in order to enter into the kingdom of God. Baptism is a sign to God, to angels, and to heaven that we do the will of God. And there is no other way beneath the heavens whereby God hath ordained for man to come to him to be saved and enter into the kingdom of God, except faith in Jesus Christ, repentance and baptism for the remission of sins and for and any other course is in vain then you have the promise of the gift of the holy ghost that's from joseph smith so that makes it pretty clear that no matter which planet you're on baptism is still going to be required and faith in christ is required these principles and ordinances of the gospel that we have are not something that's exclusive to us these are the principles that god uses in all the planets that he's created throughout the universe continuing verse uh, 10 that ye will serve him and keep his commandments, that he may pour out his spirit more abundantly upon you. To have the spirit more abundantly means that you now have the gift of the Holy Ghost. Joseph Fielding Smith said, In the waters of baptism we covenanted that we would keep them, keep the commandments, keep these commandments, that we would serve the Lord, that we would keep the first, this first and greatest of all commandments and love the Lord our God, that we would keep the next great commandment, we would love our neighbor as ourselves. And with all the might, mind, and all the might that we have, with all the strength, with all our hearts, we would prove to him that we would live by every word that proceedeth forth from the mouth of God, that we would be obedient and humble, diligent in his service, willing to obey, to hearken to the counsels of those who preside over us and do all things with an eye single to the glory of God. Verse 11, And now when the people had heard these words, they clapped their hands for joy and exclaimed, This is the desire of our hearts. And now it came to pass that Alma took Helam, he being one of the first, and went and stood forth in the water and cried, saying, O Lord, pour out thy spirit upon thy servant, that, that he may do this work with holiness of heart. Now we know that Alma was previously baptized and held the priesthood before the coming of Abinadi, but he became involved with other priests under the reign of the king of the wicked king Noah. And when he baptized Helam, he felt he needed a cleansing himself, so he buried himself in the water as a token of full repentance. That was from Joseph Fielding Smith. Verse 13, And when he had said these words, the Spirit of the Lord was upon him, and he said, Now this is not the baptismal prayer, but rather counsel that he's given to Helam. Helam, I baptize thee, having authority from the Almighty God, as a testimony that ye have entered into a covenant to serve him until you are dead as to the mortal body. And may the Spirit of the Lord be poured out upon you, and may he grant unto you eternal life through the redemption of Christ, whom he has prepared from the foundation of the world. I wonder if uh, that's uh, like the baptismal talk that we have at uh, all baptisms. I wonder if uh, Alma is giving the baptismal talk for Helam and everybody else's baptism. Just a thought. Uh, also from Milton McConkie, no ordinance will be of efficacy, virtue, and force in and after men are dead unless it is the proper ordinance performed in the manner ordained by the Lord in his name and by his authority under the direction of those holding the keys of his priesthood and thereafter it receives the ratifying seal of the Holy Spirit of promise. In our day, the person performing a baptism addresses the one being baptized by name saying, Having been commissioned of Jesus Christ, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. That is, having been ordained to the priesthood and acting under the direction of those holding its keys. 
we do not earn eternal life, we, uh, we inherit eternal life. After we have done all that we can do, after we have denied ourselves of, of ungodliness and worldly lust, then is the grace of God sufficient for us. Then, he, then we are sanctified in Christ and eventually made perfect in Christ. Verse 14. And after Alma had said these words, both Alma and Helam were buried in the water. Joseph Fielding Smith said, Therefore, when Alma baptized himself with Helam, that was not a case of Alma baptizing himself, but merely as a token to the Lord of his humility and full repentance. In uh, Alma 5.3, we learn that Alma the Younger was consecrated the high priest over the, over the church under his father. Now, Alma did not organize the church with the idea that they had no church before that time. They had a church from the days of Lehi, and Alma only set things in order. There is no question but that Alma held the priesthood, was, was one ordained after the holy order of God. Thus, he would have been baptized previously. And that's from Millet McConkie. I think that Alma must have just slipped on a rock when he went down under the water. Just kidding. Verse 14 still, And they arose and came forth out of the water, rejoicing, being filled with the Spirit. And again, Alma took another and went forth a second time into the water and baptized him according to the first, only he did not bury himself again in the water. And after this manner, he did baptize every one of them that went forth to the place of Mormon. And they were in number about 204 souls, yea, and they were baptized in the waters of Mormon and were filled with the grace of God. There were probably more than 204 people since those under age of uh, under eight years of age would not have been baptized. There may have been as many as 500 people, an average-sized ward in the church today. Verse 17, And they were called the Church of God, or the Church of Christ, from that time forward. And it came to pass that whosoever was baptized by the power and authority of God was added to, the, to his church. And it came to pass that Alma, having authority from God, again, the references here made to the priesthood which Alma held, Exactly when or where he was ordained is not given in the Book of Mormon. It may be that his office of high priest in King Noah's court was an actual priesthood office, an office to which he had been formally ordained by one having proper authority. This in spite of the abominations of the day. Second, it is not inconceivable that Alma could have been ordained by, Al by Abinadi. A third possibility is that heavenly messengers could have been sent to ordain Alma in circumstances, if circumstances precluded his having contact with some mortal holding proper authority. Continuing the verse, uh, ordained priests, these are not Aaronic priesthood offices, even one priest to every 50 of their number. The priesthood body used here was sufficient for their needs at the time. It is different in our day. Continuing the verse, uh, did he ordain to preach unto them and to teach them concerning the things pertaining to the kingdom of God? Joseph Fielding Smith said, where did Alma get his authority? This is from Answers to Gospel Questions. All we can find in, in, is, this, is that he received it from God, but there is no detail, and we are left to wonder if it was before he was baptized. We are confused about the whole matter and would appreciate any information you can give us. And then President Smith's answer, we, would, we, we should take into consideration in the study of the Book of Mormon the fact that it is an abridgment taken from the records of or history that had been kept by the prophets among the Nephites, wherefore many of the details are lacking. Moreover, while the detail is lacking, the Nephites, I'm sorry, the evidence is very clear that the Melchizedek priesthood was possessed by the Nephites. In the case of Alma and his priesthood, we are left to surmise that he legally and divinely received it before the days of King Noah. 
We read that Zenith, the father of Noah, was a righteous man. Alma evidently received the priesthood in the days of Zenith, and at no time did he fully accept the teachings, nor with full purpose follow the counsels and, pro and procedure of Noah and his wicked priests. The question is, when did Alma get his authority? Evidently, he obtained it when he received the priesthood, which through his repentance he had not lost. There can be no serious question in relation to his authority, for it is written, uh, which we've already said that he got it from uh, from God. Verse uh, 19, And he commanded them that they should teach nothing, save it were things which he had taught. Alma knew the damage that could occur if false doctrines are taught, as among the people of King Noah. Here he is saying to only preach the Messiah like Abinadi taught, and which had been spoken by the mouth of the holy prophets. We cannot keep the commandments without first knowing them, and we cannot expect to know all or more than we know than we now know unless we comply with or keep those we have already received. And that was from Joseph Smith. Verse 20, Yea, even he commanded them that they should preach nothing, save it were repentance and faith on the Lord who had redeemed his people. To preach repentance is to preach the gospel, to declare the reality of Jesus Christ and him crucified, and to proclaim that salvation is in him and through the principles and ordinances of his gospel. In commanding the people to preach nothing but repentance, it is not the intent of Alma or Mosiah to preclude the pre preaching of other doctrines and principles, even including that which the scriptures call the mysteries of the kingdom. Rather, the teaching of the first principles must precede and thus lay the foundation for that which must and will follow. And that was from Millet McConkie. Verse 21, And he commanded them that there should be no contention one with another, but that they should look forward with one eye, having one faith and one baptism, having their hearts knit together in unity and in love one towards another. In other words, to be a Zion people. George Q. Cannon said, My brethren and sisters, above all things, therefore, we should seek for this spirit of union and love. It should be sought for in our councils, and we should not contend. Now suppose that I should take it in my heart or in my head to say that it is a certain doctrine is true, and I contend for it, determined to have it so. Does my contention make it true? Suppose that I should contend from now until the Savior came that it is true. Would my contention make it true? Certainly not. I cannot change a principle of truth, then why contend or dispute or argue about it? There can be no change wrought in doctrine and in truth by our contention. But I will tell you where there is room for difference of opinion in regard to the policy to be pursued. There ought to be no contention, however. God speaks against it. We have no right to be a disputing, contentious people, and whenever I dispute with my brother, I am likely to grieve the Holy Spirit and darken my own mind. Therefore, let us avoid contention in our councils and in our, in our discussions one with another. Uh, down to verse 22. And thus he commanded them to preach, and thus they became the children of God. True, we are children of God, but through the fall and our own disobedience, we become alienated from God. Through the atonement and our own righteousness, we obtain a reconciliation and are restored into the royal family. 20, 23. And he commanded them that they should observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Marky Peterson said, Observance of the Sabbath is an indication of the depth of our conversion. Our observance or non-observance of the Sabbath is an unerring measure of our attitude toward the Lord personally and toward his suffering in Gethsemane, his death on the cross, and his resurrection of the dead. It is a sign of whether we are Christians in very deed or whether our conversation is so shallow or that our, con our conversion is so shallow that the commemoration of his atoning sacrifice means little or nothing to us. 
And then continuing verse 23, and also every day they should give thanks to the Lord their God. And he also commanded them that the, that the priests whom he had ordained should labor with their own hands for their support. And there was one day in every week that was set apart that they should gather themselves together to teach the, the people and to worship the Lord their God, and also as often as it was in their power to assemble themselves together. And the priests were not to depend upon the people for their support, but for their labor they were to receive the grace of God, that they might wax strong in the spirit, having the knowledge of God, that they might teach with power and authority from God. And again, Alma commanded that the people of the church should impart of their substance, everyone according to that which he had. If he had more abundantly, he should impart more abundantly. And of him that had but little, but little should be required. And to him that had not given, should, uh, and that had not, should be given. And thus they should impart of their substance of their own free will and good desires towards God and to those priests that stood in need, yea, and to every needy and naked soul. And this he said unto them, having been commanded of God, and this, and they did walk uprightly before God, imparting to one another, both temporally and spiritually, according to their needs and their wants. And then verse 30, And now it came to pass that all this was done in Mormon. This is a, a reverent accounting of the events that happened here. Yea, by the waters of Mormon, in the forest that was near the waters of Mormon, yea, the place of Mormon, the waters of Mormon, the forest of Mormon, how beautiful are they to the eyes of them who, were, who, came, who there came to the knowledge of their Redeemer. Remember that uh, uh, the, the priests of Noah were asking Abinadi about the, those that uh, brought good tidings and how beautiful they were. And so uh, Alma is using that same theme here too again. Continuing verse 30, Yea, and how blessed are they, for they shall sing to his praise forever. And these things were done in the borders of the land, that they might not come to the knowledge of the king. But behold, it came to pass that the king, having discovered a movement among the people, sent his servants to watch them. Therefore, on the day that they were assembling themselves together to hear the word of the Lord, they were discovered unto the king. And now the king said that Alma was stirring up the people to rebellion against him. Therefore, he sent his army to destroy them. And it came to pass that Alma and the people of the Lord were apprised of the coming of the king's army. Therefore, they took their tents and their families and departed into the wilderness. And they were in number about 450 souls. Now, I asked in the, in the beginning here about how many people do we think were involved here. Let me just read you this quote here by Brent Gardner, which is enlightening. We may presume that this count is likely to be of adults only as children are not mentioned and converted families would certainly bring their families. If the count is 450 adults, there would, prob there would probably be somewhat more than half of that number as households, which would create a hamlet. Of course, if the count follows the general old world custom of counting adult males only, a distinct possibility since the Book of Mormon is so studiously quiet about women, then we have a much more sizable village. So it could be over a thousand people that we're talking about here. Uh, so we're getting, um, we're getting a large word organized here, aren't we? I bear testimony of the truth of these things and that these words of, of Alma to his people are, are wonderful and that we should follow the example and, and make covenants in the waters of baptism and uh, keep those covenants. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you like this podcast, you know what to do.